Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. My guest today is Bob Levy, otherwise known as Magic Bob. The reason he's known as Magic Bob is he's one of the hosts of The Morning Dish on this very radio station. 8 to 9 every single morning, Monday through Friday, The Morning Dish. Be sure you catch Magic Bob on that program. Uh, it's an interesting program. They discuss things of, of interest in a wide range and thing. But, be, but right now, today, we're going to be talking in this program with uh, Magic Bob in his other, should I say, vocation or avocation. Right. Your other vocation, and that is as an expert in... Precious metals. Uh, precious metals is a very important subject these days when economic times become difficult. We all looked at precious metals as, as our rock, as something that is solid, immutable, unchanging. Uh, it's happened over and over again. And as you, everyone knows, gold has been a, a means of exchange for thousands of years, not just decades, but thousands of years. Uh, probably even before clamshells, but whatever. Today, our guest is Magic Bob, and uh, he's going to work a little magic or tell us what is magic about gold. So welcome to the program, to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Thank you for being on, Magic Bob. Thank you, Dr. Dan, for having me. Um, As you know, I have the Gold Academy on Young Harris Mountain, and I've been involved with gold for years, actually, as an investor originally. And then um, not knowing enough about it to be a a good investor, I started to learn about it. And I studied under uh, a close friend, Arnie Shapiro, in Atlanta, who is a a gold uh, manufacturer. But um, as you said, gold has been in exchange for thousands of years. It was actually, you know, uh, thousands of years ago, they thought gold was made out of water and the sun. Okay, that's where they thought gold came from because most of the gold was discovered in the creeks and in the streams. 
all over the world. It wasn't just here in the U.S., but all over the world. And, and it was uh, sort of like a, a, a status symbol, a power. It represented power and, and money. Okay, and you know that's kind of an interesting point. I mean, if, just let's go back. If we can transport ourselves back two, three, four, five thousand years, why, why would a metal that really, pretty much has no use, or certainly had no use back? You couldn't make a knife out of it. You couldn't make a spear out of it. Uh, it had no use. How did it come to be a valuable? commodity. Well, you know, it, it was before we discovered copper and iron. It was way before that, so it was very soft and workable. Also, it came in a pure form. Usually, when you found it, it was already pure, so it didn't require any smelting or anything of that nature to, to work with. It very soft, easy to work with. Um, it, it shined, you know, so um, I guess as human beings, anything that shines is really attractive to us, and uh, and so they started gathering it. Um, you know, the old the, in the caveman days, they started gathering it in the streams, and and um, and it was sort of representative of a uh, little bit of your status. If you had it, uh, you were you had a, a bit of status. But the first coins, I think, um, came about around 700 BC. Okay, where the first actual gold coins were were minted. Before that, it was just all the leaders, whoever the leaders were in the tribes, had uh, gathered in the gold and people went out, went out and brought it back to the leader in the, of the tribe. And, and so it was a, more like I said, more like a status symbol and a, a symbol of power. Okay? You know, we're talking about long term. We're talking thousands and thousands of years. And a thought just came to mind when we were talking, and that is that in, in 1913, uh, an ounce of gold would buy a really high-quality men's suit. And today, a hundred years later, an ounce of gold will buy you... will still buy a very high-quality high men's suit. Which, exactly. And I use, that, I use that very often because that is a graphic demonstration of why you want to own and possess physical gold because it does not change value. The dollar changes value but the gold itself doesn't. So I would wonder, back in the days of the caveman, if an ounce of gold could buy probably something of equal status. Um, probably in the caveman days, it, they didn't it have wasn't, Brooks used, Brothers, it right? wasn't uh, used as much as an exchange, as much as it was a, a symbol of power. Um, when you captured uh, a tribe or something like that, you gathered all the gold that became yours, and then all the people became yours as well and then you put them in the creeks and in the in the mines and had them digging for more gold okay so it's really it, it's like you said it, it's kind of been a standard a monetary standard throughout man okay and, and man originally had it um and it really wasn't as much of an exchange as it was representative of power but today and back you know initially when gold uh was around silver was a as valuable as well, but the the exchange rate was uh, one part uh, gold to two and a half parts silver. So it was just two and a half times, um, uh, or two you know gold was two and a half times more valuable uh, than silver. Of course, today it's like forty times. You know, but silver, silver really has had uses uh, 
that would be different from gold. I mean, gold, yeah, we, can, we all know that gold can be made into jewelry and things like that. Right. But silver, for instance, if you went to the dentist 50 years ago, he took mercury and silver, mixed it together to make something that he would fill your cavity with. Right, it was an amalgam, and, and it, it worked really well because it was soft, malleable, and could you know, fit into crevices and... And, and then uh, harden. And for, yeah, harden. And, and as a, uh, a dentist, would do, we was able to work it into the, the margins of your teeth so that uh, food and, and debris couldn't get underneath it. So it was really that, and it became a really great source for, as a conductor. You know, so when we came into the age of electricity, it, was, it became really, really valuable in, in that arena. But we've also discovered a lot more silver over the years than we have gold. So... Um, in that regard, it became a little less valuable than it originally was. But today, it's more valuable in the manufacturing side and, in, and, and as well in, in the money side. I mean, back when they discover these old shipwrecks, you know, they've got all this silver that was stamped. It had no uh, structure, but it had a little stamp on it telling the weight of the silver. And that was the monetary system back in the 16, 15, 1400s. So when, you know, like when Atosha was discovered, um, uh, they had tons and tons of uh, silver on the Atosha in forms of little, uh, what they call cobs, okay? And, uh, and it, it, it's, it's really been an interesting ride for me because I know that as long as our government keeps printing money, okay, it's going to be very important for us to have something like gold or silver in our possession, probably much more important than paper, because paper, as you know, you know, it's, it's relative to how much they print. You know, it'd be like you and I have. We go to our HP printer and we put a bunch of twenties on there and copy it and pay our bills with it. You know, that, that's a pretty you, cute you thing don't do to do, right? You don't do that already. Well, you know, I would love to, but I'm, I think there are laws against it, and they they would prosecute me, although they won't prosecute my government. We have to take a quick commercial break. On Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum, more with Magic Bob, Bob Levy, right after this. Right, they'll prosecute you and me, but they won't prosecute themselves, even right. though, essentially, that is exactly what they are doing. Right. They're used going to their printer, and they are printing off a bunch of worthless paper, or you heard that expression, not worth the paper it is it's printed, printed on. Exactly. And, and, and that is very valid. And... You know, 100 years, 200 years ago, uh, this was not that much of an issue. I mean, the, the, economy, the economy ran on really a barter basis. There was a lot of exchange, of free exchange of goods and services, which is the way it should be. Well, everybody uh, was an entrepreneur as well. That's right. And by definition, you were an entrepreneur because you were able to exchange your services. Right. For someone else's. For someone else's services. And really, when you come right down to it, the money, only money itself only came into being as to facilitate the exchange, the free exchange of goods and services. Yeah, the doctor could only handle so many chickens, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, I have room for a few more in my coop if you uh, are offering, uh, you know. Uh, if you're taking it in trade to kids fix these weirdy, weary eyes, you know, um, I would love that. But uh but that's that's really what what's been going on, and 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 you know people ask me, well, if 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 the government keeps printing money, why hasn't gold gone through the roof? And 
Well, I was going to ask you that exact question. I think that's uh, that's a very good subject to get into, and I want to get into it in a minute. Great. But before we get into that, just to go back 150 years or so, um, what happened back then and what used to go on back then is that there was a general store in basically every little small town. And he, in essence, that general store was the bank of the town because every spring the farmers did not have the money to go and buy seeds and whatever else they needed to plant their crops to feed their animals. So they would actually go to the store. The store would run a tab for the entire spring, the entire summer, and every time the family needed anything, they would go in and they'd just put it on the tab. And then come the fall when the harvest came due, the store got whatever it was owed, plus the interest, I'm sure, and then the family hopefully had grown enough crops and, and slaughtered enough animals so that they could sustain themselves throughout the winter and the cycle started again. Exactly. That is really the essence of the free market economy, and that's what made this country grow so prosperous during the 1800s is that was the free market economy. Right, and there were some like mine, minor mining companies and things like that that created their own Script. Um, script, right. Yeah. And you would come in and, and you would everything was bought at the company store. And the company would pay you and then you would come in with your script and, and buy everything at your company store. And, and it was only valuable there. So it really, um, uh, it was kind of like a way of keeping everybody you know, as a subject to the mining company or something of that nature. So the government exactly, is doing the same thing now. Pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. much. You know, so. But that, the point I'm trying to make is that in that kind of an economy, uh, things worked really, really well because there was no limits on how much you could earn, per se. The harder you worked, the more you earned. Uh, the more industrious and inventive you were. Hey, the more this, people this, you served, the more uh, this, money, the, if you will, the more y valuable you became. The sky was the limit. Right. So a, a woman could be a seamstress or maybe bake some goods or something of that nature or, you know, help the doctor or uh, be a doctor or whatever, whatever they, their position was. Men were blacksmiths. And, they, and they, everybody was an entrepreneur. Everybody had a trade that they did. Um, and were, they were able to trade that trade and, and, well, but and, see, and survive that was, within that town. That was truly a mixed economy because there was money. Right. And the money was backed by gold. Right. At that point. Later so, on, it came, money came into play. So yeah. you, there, was at, there was money at some level and, and barter-type goods and services at another, but it was all functioning normally. Right. Until 1913. That was a bad year, wasn't it? It was a tough year. for um, Things started to change dramatically. And, yeah. And I'm not sure exactly why okay but w the banking system got a little out of hand you know and, and well i can really tell you why good let's, let's but, and and the reason was is the new york rich bankers didn't like the fact that all those little general stores were making tons of money to them if you if you looked at it in the aggregate and they really have no had no control over it Plus, they were all globalists. They were thinking globally, and they were 
thinking they had that mindset that the only way they could provide for themselves and their families for the future as bankers and as wealthy families was to corner the market on the monetary system right. on a global scale. This was not just J.P. Morgan and those people. It was the Warburg family, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, all Is those that when people. the Federal Reserve came into play? Is that 1913. Right. 1913 was a bad year. There were three bad things that happened. The Federal Reserve, of course, being probably the worst of all, but there was also the 16th Amendment, which allowed the federal government for the first time ever to reach into our pockets directly. That was the income tax. And the 17th Amendment, which was... What was that tax? You remember what... It was like 2% or... And it would never go higher. Never go higher than right. 2%, right. Well, was that the big lie? <laughs> <laughs> well, when has the government ever told the truth? I'm telling you. That's really one of yeah. what we're dealing with today, you know. So that's kind of what happened. We had a major change. And these globalists are really... They're Marxists, socialists. And they were looking at an overall socialist world government type of system. And the first... One of the first steps was to globalize the monetary system. Uh, started out where you had all these little regional general stores acting as banks. And so what did the Federal Reserve Bank do is it sort of eliminated their power. It made their power less and less until then they were basically out of business. Right. So the power today is in, is in the money printers. That is exactly right. right. And that's where the power is. And that leads me into what I was going to talk to you about a, a moment ago, which is why gold is is really being suppressed somewhat and well, silver is being suppressed somewhat. Before you even get into that, talk about the basic value of gold. I mean, I gave you an example about a men's suit, but right. but isn't that what, what the purpose of gold really was? Well, it was a standard that you can count on, you could trust, that was almost inflationary proof, okay? although it really is an inflationary proof because it goes up, and it's based on the monetary value that they place on it today, okay, which certainly is inflationary when you compare what it was, but what it can buy is what the point that you pointed out is what it can buy. It still buys. It's not like the dollar bill where today, you know, it used to be a nickel could buy you uh, a loaf of bread or, you know, something like that, and today that same loaf of bed is 3 or $4, you know. So that's really been inflationary. But that, that same little bit of gold will still buy that loaf of bread, that little tiny bit of gold that it takes to buy that loaf of bread, even though it's 2 or $3 proportionary, it still has held its own value. So because it's, there's a limited amount of it and nobody's – although alchemists have claimed to be able to create gold over the years and – Kings have hired alchemists and paid them ransoms. They call them king's ransom. To create gold, nobody has really ever been able to duplicate it. That concludes part one of this interview with Magic Bob, Bob Levy, right here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Tune in next week for part two. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Oh, me the mischief!
gift I seen Oh, me the Choctaw Oh, me original sin Oh, me railroad steel Yeah.